The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, welcome. Wow, Here we are on the really podcast. I can't wait. This is one of my favorite topics teaching dogs to walk on a loose leash. Yeah. It's like magic. Wow. Nobody can do it anymore. Your excitement is radiating. It's transferring right over to me. How do you get a dog to walk on a loose leash? We'll find out after the quirky tip of the day. All right. You got to do. Wow. We did the intro and, and the And that pig. is going to be your department. All right. I don't need my papers. My quirky tip of the day is this no spill bowl. I honestly don't even know what the brand of it is. I think I got it on Amazon, but I love these. Um, we're doing a lot of... Uh, crating and soft crates and stuff. It's full and of water right now while she's no, holding it's, it. It's not, but it really does work pretty well. Um, but we're doing a lot of crating the dogs in different rooms with soft crates and air conditioning and everything else. And normally I like to have a bucket in the crate attached to the crate for them to have water, but a soft crate, I have nothing to attach to and I don't want them to spill water everywhere. And even those like no tip bowls, like that have the base around the bottom, they spill those and they it's slosh. a disaster. Yeah. So these are actually pretty good. This, um, outside of the time when Vital actually took the top off and spilled all over the car, uh, you can have water in these and you can do some stuff with them and they hold water pretty well. So the no spill bowl is my quirky tip of the day and give it a gander. Um, I'm sure if you type in no spill bowl, you can find this exact blue one with the gray top right it's on Amazon. It's a nice bowl to have if you're boating. You're, you know, bouncing around and everything, and that water's just staying right in there. It's a good boating bowl. Boating bowl. So, walking on a loose leash, I will tell you something. Um, I have probably seen my husband teach at least a thousand dogs to walk on a loose leash in front of me. Um, And that was just one week. (laughs) No. We don't (laughs) pump through dogs that fast. But literally, I would say um, this is one of his areas of expertise. And a lot of people are going to say, Oh, you know, you can just slap any collar on a dog and teach him not to pull and do this, that, and the other thing. Scott, right now, will go to an in-home with these um, rough wear collars. This is just a martingale. It's uh, a martingale collar with a chain. More often than not, the dog will probably just have a flat collar on. And within five minutes, I would say that dog is walking on a loose leash for you, often taking treats. The, sure. It's yeah, all most, most dogs, yeah. Ready and raring to go. So we're going to give you guys um, as many tips and as many approaches to this topic as we possibly can here today, because it's frustrating when your dog pulls. It can be dangerous if your dog is big. Um, You know, you want maybe your kid to walk your dog sometimes, or your dog's reactive on a leash. You know, walking next to you on a loose leash is a lost art. It just doesn't happen. Before we get into this. Okay. What, honey? Ben, do you got a lighter? (laughs) Most importantly, we need to get this cigar back on here. All right. Okay, terrific. So uh, I actually had to purchase this. We're going to start with um, yeah. I'm going to let you start with an the, easy. Yeah. Well, you got to get your cigar all in order here. Warm and fuzzy. That's where uh, we start so always. I just bought this at Petco because I got rid of all of our front attached harnesses um, when we moved. And I always use treats. Um, yeah, we're not doing your weight right now. We're doing this. So okay. the front attached harness is something that a lot of people buy. This is a small, and I still have the receipt, and I'm going to return this after this podcast. I just wanted to have this here well, for you guys. how does that work, front attached harness? Well, the pig isn't really very well put together to do it. But the front attached harness, you have the same color on the front 
and um, the back of the dog, and then underneath the dog, it's a different color. And you clip the leash right here. So if you have a really big dog and the dog is pulling, it actually will turn the dog's head around. So you're not creating like throat damage with the dog pulling on a leash all the time, and you're actually being able to control the dog from the front, so it's turning the dog around. 180%, I would not walk a dog on a harness attached to the back of their back. If they have loose leash walking and they can do it like that, that's fine. But all you're doing is getting a dog to pull and basically having an Iditarod dog on the street and you're just trying to follow well, behind. I would uh, argue that if you have a puppy eight weeks old, probably the first month, six, eight weeks, the leash on the back is yeah, not a big that's deal. Yeah, if it's a little baby puppy. We're talking about teaching loose leash walking. <clears throat> it's good if you haven't taught loose leash walking from the neck before, then you can have a harness just to manage a puppy. But we're talking dogs that are, you know, grown and you're working on some training and how do you get control of them? So there was this actually... Is, this is your new rescue that came into the home. It's two yes. or three years old. It's never had a leash on its body. So the small one it's is harder. It's been killing wild pigs for <laughs> six years. It probably has, but they told you it's all warm and fuzzy. Uh, so the, the small one's a little bit harder to see, but this does turn the dog right around. And there was actually a study out on this that it impairs the dog's gait so much to be wearing this. And it does. If you're just using this as a management tool and your dog's constantly pulling on this and its front end is kind of like cocked back towards you, it actually can cause some damage. Some so shoulder you can, issues. Yeah, you don't want to, if you're going to use this, use it in conjunction with some training and teaching the dog to walk on a loose leash. And I guess before we get too far into all of our methods, <clears throat> what is your definition of a loose leash? And I will say with that, if you have a dog that's very food motivated and doesn't care about anything else, that tool will work pretty good. Uh, my definition is that the slack in the leash, that could be what some trainers refer to as a J. J in the leash. It's just a dip in the leash. A straight line means tension. Even if it's just very weak, there's tension there. So it's a slack leash. Yeah. And people really have a hard time recognizing that. Scott's even wanted to like come up with a device where your leash will alert you when it goes straight. Because a straight leash, not only do you have pulling, but you're going to have a bigger chance of reactivity. As soon as that dog feels that opposition, opposition reflex, and as soon as it feels your tension down the leash, you're going to have more of a chance of a blow-up. So the loose leash is important because the dog is making a conscious choice to be walking next to you, and you're not restraining the dog. We hate those traffic leads. Is yeah. that what they're called? Yeah, well, the retractable. No, well, we don't like those either, but the traffic oh. ones where you can grab, isn't that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so got like a handle they put actually on by the make a leash where you can grab about two feet, you know, from where it's connected to the dog. And a lot of trainers tell people, like, just have the leash tight and just walk, walk alongside the dog. And there you go. You're going off. You're not teaching the dog to do shit. You're restraining the dog next to your side. I really wish you'd stop with that language. It's very upsetting. You know, we're on YouTube. Really I'm trying to get our numbers up. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're the biggest issue with our numbers. So you want to be conscious of this loose leash. And if you have a traffic lead, you're going to actually want to reach and grab that. And it's going to just encourage more of that tight leash. So the J, the loose leash. Now, I would also say that this is not necessarily formal healing. Loose leash walking uh, is not, in my mind, healing. The dog, and for me, it's not my pulling. dog, it's my not dog can be out in front of me walking along, but they have to be respectful of the length of the leash. If they start to feel tension, I would like them to back off check in with me and, and not just go pulling me down the street. Yeah. And we'll talk about some of the distinctions between loose leash walking and actual healing after break, but we're going to give you guys some more tools. So the first tool was the front attach harness. Um, I, if you're going to get one, get the easy walk. It's the best one. And I think Petco is only selling black and silver colors now, but they have fun colors on Amazon. 
So my um, method of choice for loose leash walking, and I actually fully taught my border collie to walk like this, is the gentle leader. So um, this is not a management tool, okay? The only time I would say that we use this as a management tool is if the dog has learned how to walk on a loose leash um, with other tools. It can be walking on a collar, but maybe it's a 120-pound dog and the owner's 90 pounds. We will have a gentle leader on as a backup in case that dog decides to go. And we've maybe had six dogs, I'd say, that we've done that with. Yeah, I first started using that. I had a, a girl come in. She was about 90 pounds with a 150-pound Mastiff that would, every out of the blue once in a while, would just yeah. lunge. It was good most of the time, but when it went, it went. And, it and she wouldn't throw. let go, and then she'd get all dinged up yeah, and dragged down the street. Yeah, and it can throw its weight around. So I really should have brought a more anatomically you know, correct we, we animal needed to show a you dog. this. A full-time dog have. here. I know. We need like a stuffed animal. We're becoming anyway, more and more like a preschool. It's kind of like a, a horse's, um, what do you call Halter, it? Halter, bridle. Yeah. yeah. So you're here. This goes on the muzzle. And then this clip's on the top. It's a little tight for my You're going to have to zoom in, Ben. Because she's, okay. she's determined okay. to make this pig. This clip's on the, the nose. And then this comes out from the very bottom. Turn okay? sideways. So this so. is how it would go on the dog. This is on the muzzle. And then this comes out the bottom, and then this clips behind. You don't want this to be able to slip over the muzzle. The pig has a short snout, so it's slipping easily. And you want this to be tight on top. Uh, this clip here on the bottom, I like to put a slip collar also, just to make sure we're safe and sound. So I put a slip collar on also, so I can connect to both and just be careful. Now, why I am saying that this is not a management tool, and except that exception of the really small owner and the really big dog and this unpredictable lunging, or just heading for the hills. Tell us why you're saying that. These are dangerous. Dogs should not be pulling from their neck and turning back and barely being able to get to what they need to get to. If a dog is on the long line playing with other dogs and this is on, of course you can cause a neck injury. I'm talking about using a gentle leader is what this is. And this is my favorite brand I think that these are banned this. in a few states, aren't oh, they? Oh, stop it. Uh, this is <laughs> This is a gentle leader. I like this better than the Halty or whatever else. And I'm using this in conjunction with training my dog to walk on a loose leash. So that means that I've created a lot of value for being next to me. Uh, my loose leash walking or my healing would be that the dog is going to sit when I stop. If the dog comes out ahead a little bit, I can just gently take this bottom of the collar and bring the dog back into position. If it's screwed up, it's not going to get a cookie for screwing up. But I taught Vital how to walk on a loose leash with this, and it transferred to a collar quite well. And I was very happy with using this method and this technique. Now, what I just described is hard for a lot of people. So I came up with this super cool way of doing it. Um, and actually, I have to do a course on this at some point. But I have two leashes on the dog where I have a flat collar on the dog. This is my flat collar from the Oprah Winfrey show when I was on it. I just oh. happened to pick that one. Name drop. Little, little side note. Um, and I have a separate leash on the gentle leader. Okay, so I have two leashes now. And the reason for that is dogs don't freaking like this thing in their muzzle. And there's a lot of counter conditioning. And the more they pot it and get you to stop because they're messing with it, the longer the walk takes. So I have a second leash on the collar that I can move the dog around with rather than have it attach to the dog's muzzle. And while that may sound confusing, and I've honestly it never is. seen it's one. It's a hell of a lot of work. I've never seen, it's easier to transfer to pet people, but if you do buy this product and you say, oh my gosh, this isn't working that well, just put this on your dog's nose. Don't even attach a leash to it at first and just walk the dog around with the collar. Just get them used to wearing this. But the gentle leader, I would say, is a great tool if you don't want to use aversives but you need to train the dog to walk with you and you need to have obedience there. Don't just have the dog's head 
coming, you know, always cocked sideways and it's always wanting to go the other direction. That's not the best way to utilize that tool. Sounds like a little bit of an aversive to me. I know, a little bit. All right, so now I want to talk about walking from the neck. So Scott would um, maybe use this on an in-home or a flat collar like I had there. I also have these reduced loop martingales, which I really like. So it goes in the dog's head um, as so, but then you can tighten it if you need to. So these are kind of the variation of flat collars. This is a martingale with a chain, this is a regular flat collar, and then this is a reduced loop. I think you can get these online, but I always get them from specialty collar stores. What so, the hell are you going to teach a dog with that? Come you on. You could teach a dog to walk on a loose leash with this in two That's... seconds. So um, explain that process of when you're using a collar on a dog, how you kind of create well, this whole loose leash walking. I like to use the uh, martingale style collar only because most people have their flat collar on their dog too loose. Yeah, and we don't and if want the dog, the dog stops, to get lost. They, they've, some dogs have learned how to just back and get that thing right off over their head. I don't want to lose a dog on the street. So if the dog or, pulls... Or anywhere, really. Yeah, if the dog pulls, this is going to get smaller, and there's no way the dog is going to slip this over their head. Uh, I do traditional dog training. So if the dog is wanting to just take off as soon as it's on a leash, shooting out in front of me, I'm going to change direction. Um, but the difference between what I do and what I see most owners doing uh, that do the changing of direction is that they're just guiding their dog back and then the dog shoots out that way and they guide their dog this way and they just go back and forth and never make any headway at all. So I time it so that uh, if the dog is shooting out ahead of me, I don't give the dog less leash, I give the dog all, all the, the leash. leash. So that the dog is getting the full six feet, five and a half feet out in front of me. And right before it hits the end of the leash, I'm turning and giving it a quick pop on the leash. And with this chain on this martingale, it makes a little, you know, kind of a noise, which gets their attention if you pop it quickly. And uh, as soon as they turn, like, what the hell's going on? I'm, I'm inviting the dog back to me. Come on, let's go. And I'm, they're meeting me with food, or I'm meeting them with food as soon as they get to me. And uh, that'll get the dog... Typically, nine out of 10 dogs, within a few moments, getting the dog to walk, not perfectly, but then they're only, you know, a foot or two ahead of me. They're getting the idea. They're not yeah. pulling anymore. And the then, leash isn't tight anymore. And then I will start doing left turns. When I get the dog to not pull, but they're not really in a heel, then I will start doing left turns into them, or even an about face, but turning into the dog. Rather than doing going over your right shoulder if the dog's on your left and side and accommodating the dog and letting him loop around. And then I'll start using the verbal cue of heel right before I turn into them. So ideally what I want the dog to be thinking when they hear the word heel, a puller, is not to pull but to actually back off a little bit. You know, something's going to change. And I tell people the way I get dogs to work with me right away is uh, doing the, the directional changes, turning into the dog, right turn, left turn, Changing the pace is really a big thing. A lot of dogs that pull, it's because the people go right into this uh, kind of unconscious pace. They're doing their walk. Whatever that is, they, they, I'll tell them, heel, they'll just start going. If you start walking really slow, the dog is going to be like, what the hell's going on? They immediately look at you like, why aren't you going? This is what we do. Mm -hmm. But it's a way of demanding the dog's attention. So the pace change is really important. Yeah, and then frequent sits, I would say, and is putting the in, last And putting one in the frequent sits, uh, if, if the dog is really having a hard time containing itself, but if it does know the word sit, I'll do heel sit, heel sit, heel, you know, demand the sit every 
three feet or something. And yeah. the dog, and you can't, you don't plan on going for a walk if you're teaching your dog to walk on a loose leash. You can do all of this in a 400 foot, not even 400 foot, 40 foot driveway, just back and forth. And spend, you know, people say, oh, I need to take my dog out for a half hour walk. I tell them, just don't walk around the block. There's all these triggers in their neighborhood that's causing their dog to lunge and bark and do all this bullshit. Spend the 20 minutes of that walk just teaching your dog to walk right in your driveway or right in front of your house back and forth yeah, train, before you start walking around the block. Train in a less stimulating environment and train it. Like train it and proof it. And we're going to go through some different ways to proof it and get into some of the more intense tools um, after the break. But as a closing thought here, before we do go to break for Happy Howies, we worked with a couple um, just the other weekend, and we got a text from them, and it said, Hi, Scott and Jess. Just wanted to say a huge thank you. We were able to walk Zoe in our neighborhood today for the first time in a year. Thank you so much. And Scott worked with that dog with her own martingale that was a collar like this for about five minutes. They had previously been working with a trainer um, on a front attach harness, going for all these pack walks and stuff. The dog would not cross their driveway and was too fearful to walk in their neighborhood for an entire year. And Scott literally held the leash for five minutes, taught the owner how to do it, and now the dog's walking around the neighborhood taking treats. I and mean, that dog was so traumatized. No, I'm just no, kidding. No, the dog was great. But <laughs> this, but that's the thing. Like that's, that's what a burden that whole process was on these people, and we were able to work through it quite quickly. Yeah, so, and I would add, before you go to break, I would add, have good treats, and if you don't free feed your dog, make sure they have some appetite, that they enjoy the treats, and you can balance this all out. So yeah, don't go train right you, after they eat dinner. You're going to be real demanding of them, but there's going to be good reward in it for them. Too, you know? Yeah. All right. More tips when we get back. We'll see you in a little bit. Happy Howie's all-natural dog treats are made with real slow-cooked beef, lamb, and turkey. Choose from deli-style sausages, wolf sticks, jerky, burger treats, and our soft meat roll treats. All of our treats are available in bulk or in convenient resealable packages. And dogs just love Happy Howie's. They are made in the USA and available at thousands of retailers nationwide and online at happyhowies.com. Try Happy Howies today and save 10% with promo code QUIRKY10. Happy Howies. We're making it real. All right, we are coming back and we are actually going to do a quick uh, quirky question of the day here as well. I always don't, I don't know if we do the pig for I'm the question or not, but that's good. I think we should. The more pig, the better. So um, this is actually from Britt. This was um, my good friend from uh, my childhood. We're still good friends, and they just moved to Illinois from Minnesota. So this is Britt from Illinois' question, and her question was, um, they just moved in this nice place in the lake, and a dog that was walking off leash, this little dog, ran onto her property up to her dog, and she didn't know what to do. So the two things that I said there was, if your dog's small enough and, you know, this dog's running up to your property, I normally scoop the dogs up. I go hiking with one border collie at a time because if something gets a little bit hairy, I can just pick the dog up. The second thing I said is have a leash with you. Have a leash on your shoulders that you, even if your dog's off leash and, you know, you're on your property, if other dogs can get onto it, put the dog on leash real quick. And then Scott would always say, and this is a very true thing, is you stand between the dog coming at your dog and your dog. So now you're actually able to 
control your dog with the leash, put your dog behind you or something else and deal with this other dog, you know, and things get rough. I mean, trails can get tense. Dogs can be crazy on the street. You know, it can be hairy. Some people even carry like some sort of spray and stuff because they've had a traumatizing experience. But for the most part, if you can just manage your dog and block the two dogs, that's enough time to say like, come grab your damn dog, put it on a leash, get it out of my dog's sight, everything else. And that's a time when I wouldn't be asking my dog for to no, stay on we're a loose not gonna, leash. No. I would, that's when I would use that traffic handle type thing where yeah. I, I'm managing the You're dog. You're just managing type. the situation. Yeah. So pick the dog up if it's small enough um, and, you know, use your feet or whatever to keep the other dog off. And if the dog is too big or you can't physically pick the dog up, then have a leash on you, even if your dog's off leash, and manage the situation. Yeah, and it, you, if nothing else, you want to evaluate the intention of this dog running up at you. It might be a friendly dog. It may not be a big deal, but and it usually is. But I have had situations where this dog wanted to attack my dog, and it was trying to get around me to go after that dog, and I was like pirouetting and doing all this crap to keep that dog from biting my dog, you know? Yeah, but be an advocate for your dog. Don't let your dog get in a hairy situation. So we've done flat collars. We've done gentle leaders. We've done martingales. We've done easy walks. The next go-to would be um, this Starmark plastic pinch collar. We like these a lot, and actually the company um, designed this little clip because of my husband. Because I wouldn't the, go that far. They said in the newsletter, thank you, Scott Williams of Beyond the Leash, for this suggestion. So these um, are really hard to unclip. They're super hard with people with carpal tunnel, and I can barely or do it now. Or arthritis or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, and... Um, a lot of times when you do go to clip this plastic part, you only clip it halfway. So now maybe, you know, it could get off of the dog. So when we're using this tool, we always recommend using a slip collar with it just for a backup. The slip collar has no functionality besides to be a second collar if something malfunctioned. However, and I, I will say, um, this is one of my pet peeves with the company. They supply this with this, but they don't tell you what this is for. And nobody uses it because, like, what the hell do I have this extra collar for? And they leave it at home, and then they put this on their dog. Yeah, but all of them now are sold with this nice clip. Um, I don't know if PetSmart's carrying them. You can definitely get them on Amazon. But this is the Starmark Plastic Pinch Collar. And this is going to give you a little bit more bite than a flat collar. Um, this is pretty user-friendly for you at in-homes. People seem to feel better about that than the it, metal. It looks a little bit more friendly. And it's, it is it's, less aversive. It's not as hard, sharp on the inside and whatnot. And it's just, it's not shiny chrome like, they don't want it to look like, you know, you're trying to control a police dog or something. Yeah. So um, that would be our next step up from a flat collar or a martingale. And you, we would be the same process where the dog goes out. You give the dog the whole leash. You turn around. All the things we were talking about before. The th problem with this plastic pinch collar, or even a metal pinch collar, I was going to grab a small uh, metal and I didn't. I only have these guys. Um, is if the dog is just pulling on that collar... It's no more effective than a flat collar. You can have a dog pulling on a plastic pinch or a metal pinch just as easily as it would pull on a flat collar within a week's time. You need to actually teach the dog to walk on a loose leash with these tools if you're going to use them. So uh, the other thing, if you are going to go with a metal collar, the Herm Springers are by far the best pinch collar out there. I had a little... Um, a little silver one that I was going to bring, but I forgot it. So these are both larges, but they come in black. This is actually called Kurgan. If you have like a dog that has tan fur, you can mix and match their fur. Um, these are a bitch to clean, but they do look nice and shiny. And this would be the last go-to if the dog is not really responding to the plastic pinch. Some dogs have a really high pain tolerance. They have a lot of fur on their neck. 
they don't care about this little plastic thing on them. So then that would be the next go-to is the metal pinch collar. Yeah. That doesn't have as easy an, of an on and off. So you do have to get good about doing the prongs there. And then we would recommend a slip collar for that also. So the dog is always wearing a backup collar if you did do something and malfunction when you put this on the neck. I was going to say, before I met you, I never heard of anybody concerned about cleaning their pinch collars. <laughs> Well, I wasn't the one that ruined one last week by putting it in vinegar on the stove. So um, you want to be conscious of whatever tool you're using, you're actually teaching, okay? And walking from the neck is good because the dog doesn't have to be pulling and you don't have to be that hard on the dog. So I want to break down a little bit what healing and loose leash walking looks like and how specific that is and how you do that. Yeah, this occurred to me, this other thought, I am going to get into that on the break though, is that none of this stuff is going to work if you feel it's a hassle to teach your dog to walk on a leash, if you're not bringing an intention of, I want to teach my dog how to walk politely on a leash, you're never going to get it because it's just a hassle. You have enough hassles in your life. You just don't want to deal with it, and it never is going to get fixed. You have to actually decide, hey, I want to focus on this. I'm going to make it happen. And, and it does make your life a heck of a lot easier, course, even if it's just that course. one time a year when you go to the vet and you clip the dog up. You want the dog. People literally are like, barely able to stay on their feet. Their dog's pulling them in the door so much, or they're just, you know, running at this, that, and the other thing, jumping on everybody. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. It's nice to be able to have a dog that you can take out of the car and walk safely into a vet's office. And even if you don't want to walk your dog on a leash, teach it to walk on a leash so you can make your kids take it out on a leash. It's not dragging them down the street. And the carryover of teaching your dog to walk on a loose leash is... It, tenfold. It, it transfers it, into it, the yeah, house. Whatever you're doing in that exercise outside of the house changes the dog's behavior in the house because now there's being more structure being put on the walks yeah. and everything else. So somebody lives in the city in Boston. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't have a yard to take their dog out to go to the bathroom. Explain how this loose leash walking and pottying and everything ties together. Well, what I tell people typically is you got to work on your healing, which is a more formal loose leash walking where the dog walks on your left side. When you stop, the dog sits. It's completely engaged with the handler when they're healing. And the healing is so strict that the dog cannot sniff while it's healing. The dog couldn't eat anything off the ground. The dog is definitely not going to be going to the bathroom. Healing is that strict. It's very militant. Yeah. Yes. And for that reason, uh, I don't expect any of my clients to heal their dog for half an hour around the neighborhood. It's too much for them to focus on. And the dog, they're just going to daydream. The phone's going to go off. They're going to start. They're just not going to pay attention. So I tell people... The time to be working on your healing, let's assume that you've taught your dog some healing. When you put the leash on in the house, you establish control right there. You don't go out the door with the dog pulling you out the door. You make the dog sit at the door. You have all this control, and you make that dog heal right up into the point where you tell the dog to sit, and then you tell the dog free to go pee, for example, or something like that. If you cannot establish control up to that point, there is no loose leash. The dog is out in front of you at all. You need to back up and just work on the healing. Once you have your healing down, you establish control on the front end. And most people tell me, oh, we work on the healing after the dog gets tired in the middle of the walk. That's not the time to work on it. The reward for the loose leash where the dog can just sniff and mark and be a dog is that they're working with you. So now you can say, okay, sit free. Now you can be a dog. And the majority of that walk I would say it would be a loose mm -hmm. leash, the dog is sniffing, marking, being a dog, not picking crap up off the ground, but just walking on politely on a loose leash. And um, then if you need to regain control, you see, you know, yeah, a dog you, walker with crazy dogs now coming down the other side of the street and 
that looks like it's going to be a situation of itself. You can say to your dog, okay, Rover, come on, heal. And you can start with the sit again. And now your healing is very strict again. And you're focusing on that dog and that dog is conscious of you. But we want our dogs to be conscious of us and any dogs that we work with, we want them to be conscious of whoever's holding the leash the entire time. If you're, if the dog is attached to a leash and you're holding that leash, the dog being conscious of you is a huge part of that. It's very, very important. Yeah. What's more likely is in your neighborhood, there's a one or two houses where they have a dog, the dog is barking in their yard, and that's getting your dog distracted, starts pulling, barking, whether it wants to play with that dog or it's they're both you know, showing aggression towards each other. I would get my dog into the heel position before I got to that house and heal them past that house. And once the distraction's behind you, then go back to the loose leash, release your dog, free walk. Yeah. And these happen, the times when you really should be focusing on the loose leash walking are the times no one wants to do it. So let's say you're going to the forest preserve, going from the car to the trailhead, that's when you need the control, but you just want to go for a walk. So you just let the dog pull and then the dog gets to go off leash and the dog goes hiking. Going into daycare is a huge one. Everybody just wants to get rid of the dog, get off to work, everything else. Like, oh, you take him. I can't deal with him. Send him home tired or else I'm going to be pissed. The dog listening in those moments where when it comes out of the car and it walks up to the daycare door and it holds a sit in the daycare door and then it can go play with the other dogs makes all the difference in the world because the pulling becomes reinforcing. The dog is pulling to get to the trail. The dog is pulling to see, you know, your husband that just came home after it got groomed. The dog is pulling to go to daycare and then the dog goes to daycare. Your husband pets the dog. The dog is now walking on a trail and loving life. So you, the times that you need the loose leash walking most, it's the biggest pain in the butt to implement, but that's how you get the carryover everywhere. And uh, it just doesn't happen. Once you teach your dog to walk on a loose leash and you commit to it, then the dog isn't just slamming the end of the leash and lunging and doing all this BS anymore. You have a dog that you can take out and it can behave in public. And if you know, there's huge crowds or aggressive dogs or whatever else, you have a well-behaved dog that can be a part of your family and a part of more social interactions. People have an ethical responsibility to the animal to make it a well-behaved dog in public. And they have a social responsibility to everyone else on the street that their dog isn't a complete friggin' idiot that's going to nip at somebody or jump on them and do that stuff. So if you're going to own a dog... This is part of dog ownership, in yeah. my opinion. And, you know, you and just got to suck has, it up and deal with this stuff. The dog has a better life if you guys are able to take it out places. I know it's embarrassing when your dog's acting like an idiot. I know that it's stressful when the dog's, you know, lunging and, you know, trying to jump on kids. We get that. We know that. But if you just take the time to focus on this and commit to it, if you focused every day for a week and you thought, all right, I'm going to hunker down and I'm going to make this happen, the change would be amazing. And these, uh, this couple that emailed us and said, you know, thank you so much. It's been a year since we were able to take our dog out in the neighborhood. We first did an online consult with them too. So we're going to put a link for our online consult in the bottom of this description of this podcast. So if you guys do have any questions about any of this stuff, you need to get over the hump, let us know. Cause it is hard. You guys, so many dog trainers do not even have their own dogs that can walk on a loose leash, no matter what type of equipment they're reaching for. It's loose leash trainer, walking then, is, is hard. The... Well, they're getting paid to train other and people's one thing dogs. I'll, are you getting ready to wrap this up? Cause do you want to go another half hour here? I do. All right. But what I wanted to say is that, um, think of this, you know, everybody's stressed about the coronavirus and the, you know, all the political stuff going on. This is, is really a mindfulness exercise. It's a situation where you have to focus on one thing and you can spend five minutes doing it and you will feel better. The side effect, and this is how I got involved in dogs in the first place, was that it was a way for me to not think about all the other stuff in my life and I just focused on my dog. I went to a dog club twice a week 
And all I thought about was working with my dog and helping him become, helping us become this team so that I could compete. And it was challenging, it was very frustrating, but uh, it was very rewarding. And I just, I mean, that was a long time ago and I've been doing it ever since. Yeah, if you are not in the moment when you are working with a dog, your dog isn't in the moment either. You know, if you're working with the dog and you're focusing on the dog, the dog needs to then be focusing on you. They can't be thinking about all the smells and about the tree that's on the next block that they want to pee on and about their friend that may be out in the yard in the next turn. You want to make sure that the dog is mindful of you and focusing on the moment. Racing thoughts are very common. We get it. We meditate. Now we're meditating every morning, 40 minutes. It's hard to sit there for 40 minutes and do freaking nothing, but racing thoughts do not help productivity in anyone's mind. So you don't want your dog's mind to be racing and you don't want your mind to be racing. And we're not talking about, oh, go out and do this for 40 minutes. Try it for two minutes. Try it for five minutes. Try it in your driveway. Try it in your kitchen. Make something happen. And when you're using food, do not just lure that dog around with food. Use food as a reward because if luring the dog around with food worked, then you wouldn't have the pulling and the lunging and the barking and everything else. The dog stops giving a shit about the food at a certain point in time, and that's when you need to have actual training to back yeah, it up. And uh, the dogs, their genius is their ability to read body language. So they're almost telepathic in whether or not you're paying attention to them. They know whether you've checked out mentally, like they can just sense yeah, it Yeah, they'll keep you on your toes. They'll hold you accountable. And remember those left-hand boxes, frequent sits and pace changes. That's why dogs walk so great when somebody's, you know, walking them with a walker sometimes. They're like, what the heck's going on there? If you cut your pace down a quarter, like Scott always says, heel to toe walking, heel to toe walking, the dog's going to be like, hey, what happened? Are you okay? Are we in this together? What's going on? They're going to focus on you. Reward those moments. That's what we want. We want a dog that's conscious of you, okay? That's really important in dog training and dog owner relationships. Yeah. Think of it as a meditative walk. I've taken, if you've involved it in Tai Chi, they have one exercise is meditative walking and it's a slow motion walk and it's not easy to do, but you have to focus on what you're doing and it's, it can drive you crazy if you don't want to be doing that. If yeah. you want to do something So this else. is our gift to you. Not only will you have a better behaved dog, but you will have a clearer mind and a happier life. Take so, your dog uh, to Tai Chi. <laughs> If you need anything from us, guys, studio at thecorgydog.com. We do have that consult link in the notes for today. And in the meantime, keep it quirky. Thanks, guys. See you next week. I got to go return my front attach. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.